0: Views, your news, your limerick today with
1: Joe Nesh on Live ninety five. Our next guest uh, is uh, uh, hotelier John Brennan. Uh, you may know from co-hosting Ortiz at Your Service with his brother Francis. Uh, he's here to chat about his new book. My name is John, uh, in which uh, he details his battle with dyslexia and how he came to be the successful entrepreneur. He is today. And good morning to you, John. How are you doing? Very well, Joe.
0: I'm, I'm parked here on a single yellow line, and I'm not quite sure. Will you pay the ticket
1: if I get it? <laughs> well, yeah. you go, that? No, I have enough problems. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, tell me about... I, I'm fascinated by something that you have... I know you're setting the record straight or what you're doing, but yeah. in one interview you said, uh, I just want to be clear here. I'm at your service. I'm not as dry as I appear. I'm actually yeah. the crack merchant, not Francis, my brother. <laughs>
0: Now, did I write that, I?
1: Well, it was an interview you gave, and you said it apparently. It's in quotes. Oh, is
0: it? Yeah, yeah. it must have been a Monday morning. Um, no, it's funny. When you make a television show, you, you view television totally different, differently. So everyone perceives the At Your Service programme to be a t- half-an-hour programme, 30 minutes. But it's actually 24, 15-second segments. And in each segment, there's 96 segments as such. So you have to keep the viewer occupied and entertained. And when you shoot a programme of that nature, you usually shoot with one camera. So it takes two cameras to take a scene. So very often on the second take, it's not as, as natural as the first take. And I freeze up when the camera comes around and turns on me. And so I love when we do have the budget, when we go for two cameras, it's much better television in my mind because you get the natural reaction on both sides. But that's highly technical now for a Tuesday morning for yourself. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: well, not that technical. We, <laughs> we, can, we can cope with it, John. Um, but the other interesting thing is, again, and, and this is how television can work, there might be this sense that the, you and Francis, you know, have been joined at the hip your whole lives and careers, but that's not true at all, is
0: it? No, not, not at all. Far, far from it, actually. Um, Francis is 13 years older than me so right through life he was like one generation or two generations ahead of me so when i was coming into secondary school he was going into college which means he was leaving home and um, he we built actually we converted the um mum and dad converted the garage at home so he could move into that and study out there and um, so he actually never came in the front door from that and then when he finished college I was probably 12, 13, not even 13, 12, 10, 11 years of age. And he went then um, to work in Sligo and to Kerry in various different places. And um, so I actually never knew Francis till I came to Kenmare in 19, um, I think it was 96. Um, and um, up until that, I had never actually lived with Francis. And we didn't know each other in that sense at all, because there is 13 years between us. So um, we're, we were we certainly weren't joined at the hip. And when we were growing up, Uh, the opposite.
1: And as a matter of interest, did the two of you give each other a bit of a shock when you then came together and started to work together?
0: I was opening a hotel in Sligo. Um, which I was doing a deal on and at the 11th hour there was a clause put into the lease that I didn't like and I pulled out and then France said to me he said, come on down to Kinmary's as I could do with some, some help down here so I said fine. So I was coming from a very busy mid-range hotel in Sligo um, a three star hotel and I was coming to a five star hotel I was coming from a multifunctional business that did weddings dinner dances funerals baptisms divorces separations you name it we did it in the Park Hotel King Mary we say no to all of that business and we just look after happy couples So it was a very different philosophy, a very different service level, and a very different ethos of a property than what I was used to for the 14 years that I'd worked in hotels before going to Kenmare. And so there was a huge learning curve um, from my perspective. um, And to be fair to Francis, he looked after me during that whole process. And um, I I grasped it fairly quick, I think, and got on with it. But it's a very different business than what I was used to when I came.
1: But in the initial stages, until you got used to each other, did you drive each other mad?
0: Uh, no, that happened later.
1: <laughs> and, and, and why?
0: No, it isn't. Um, no, he didn't. No, no, no. There, 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 there was never a conflict between myself and Francis when we came to Kenmare. I just had a huge blank sheet of paper in front of me of which I had to learn. A host, a whole host of things right across the board, GDS systems, you name it. Um, I wouldn't have had a clue about any of those things um, which I had to grasp. And I got that. And then I suppose when I got my feet and I got my head and then I decided, right, we need to expand and we needed to do this, we needed to do that, we needed to do the other. Um, Francis then said, oh, we don't need to be doing that. We're very happy. We have a grand lifestyle out of this hotel. We don't need enter more. And I'd be slightly more aggressive on that front. And then there'd be conflict at times. Uh, but generally speaking, if he'd go away, I'd do something, he'd come back and he'd be delighted. Right, but so right, I get that. You. That's, that's uh, the way it
1: works. So, so we're chatting to John Brennan there of Ortiz at your service and, and the hotel business. And, and I mean, you have lived and continue to live a really fascinating life. And this book um, that, that you have produced, My Name is John, and John deliberately misspelt, J-H-O-N. It's an atypical story of success. And there's a, a particular reason I think you've chosen to read the book. Explain it to us. Yeah. Um, to write the
0: book, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, you're fine. Um, I wasn't able to read it. I only wrote it. Um, the, um, the the reason why I wrote the book was, number one, I had time on my hands. I was in the middle of chemotherapy. I was on 20 steroids a day. I couldn't sleep at night. And I said, here, I'm going to write the book. And I, I've, I always had um, um, a spreadsheet done with headings for chapters. Um, for years, I've had that in my mind. That they, yeah, that'd be a good story. That'd be a good story, and I'd write these little snippets down. And I just said one night at four o'clock in the morning, "Here we go." And I went at it. And I went at it for five days, and I did seventy-five thousand words in the five days. But the essence of the story and the whole reason for um, in in traditional language putting pen to paper um, was to champion the underachiever at school. And even this morning on the on the news, I'm sure you ran it yourselves. Um, there's um, 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 they're looking at third um, financing third level college again now, and there's a, a huge emphasis in the second level um, education system in Ireland to get you to third level um, um, education, and really there is no other goal except the curriculum, and the curriculum is totally designed to get you the points to get you into third level, and I don't. I I don't think that is correct for every student. I think there's a cohort of students out there, a sizable cohort of students out there who largely feel ignored in second level college insofar as that their educational requirements aren't being looked after because it is totally academically based and they don't have an academic brain. I don't have an academic brain by any means. There's a huge amount of people who have been very successful, million times more successful than I've been in the world, who have, don't have academic brains, who have done extremely well because they, they, have, they have championed what they love. And then that's not work. You just get on with it. But the system in in various countries has allowed them to do that. For instance, we have forty eight percent of our students go to third level college. Fifty percent there, thereabouts in Ireland. In in Germany, it's only thirty percent. But they have a huge, huge emphasis on apprenticeships in Germany, and they have a mass, massive um, manufacturing um, industry in in um, Germany, which we we have ignored totally in Ireland. Um, and the ankles the certs, and the fossils of days gone by. The, the accredited training systems in place, state led, have all been abolished. So if you if you leave second level college today and you're not pursuing a third level uh, degree, and um, where you're uh, in lecture rooms and doing um, assignments and so on and so forth, if you don't have that brain, which I personally think I could think nothing worse of, and um, there's nothing else for you to do, well, yeah, there's no other path for you to follow, I, which I think is wrong.
1: And indeed, and I mean, you're proof. Positive of uh, the success that some people have leaving school early. I think you left at 15, didn't you? And, and yeah. you, you were getting yeah. a, what, an IDA grant at 18.
0: That's correct. <laughs> that was a good one, too, yeah. <laughs> I went to school with um, a lad who was very good at carpentry, and we did carpentry in school myself, and I wasn't bad at it. I certainly wasn't going to have a, a, a career in carpentry by any means. But anyway, to make a long story short, when I went to work in a, in a hotel in Sligo, I met guys who were from the medical industry who couldn't get wood. Products, um, wobble boards, bedside tables, and um, stools, things of that nature for for uh, GP surgeries. And then I taught my man back in the school, and then I went to the IDA in 1985, and we got 87,000 pounds, which was a small fortune, half a million in today's terms, I'd say. Um, and uh, we opened up a working factory then in Sligo. Thanks. But even after that, then just to add on one little piece of that if you don't mind. Um, I met the woodwork teacher in town afterwards, and he's real. excuse the pun now, a chip on his shoulder, the same guy in life. And he says, well, he says, Brennan, he says, I heard you opened a factory. I said, we did, yeah. And he says, a woodworking factory. I said, that's right, yeah. And he said, you got a grant. And just to annoy him, I said, no, I said, we didn't get a grant. I said, we got a disgusting amount of money. I said, it was embarrassing, the amount of money we got, you see, and just to annoy him. And he turns around, he says, well, Brennan, he says, I tell you, he said, you couldn't join your hands, never mind two bits of timber. So that was the encouragement from the right, woodworking. Right. So, yeah.
1: And John, when did you discover that you were dyslexic?
0: Oh, there was no question about it. That, that The minute I went to second, um, national school at four and a half years of age, um, they had their books out and they were looking at books and I'm looking out the window. It was never there. I was never able to pick up a book and read a book. Um, and actually a journalist asked me one day and I didn't ask the question correctly, like when you opened the book, what did you see? And the best way I can describe that now, having thought about it afterwards, is you know these word quizzes where you get you have to find words within a, in, um, a mix up of letters, and the words all run horizontally or vertically. Um that's what the page looks like. Me, it is it is just a page of letters, right. and there's no no meaning or no sense to follow them. And that's what happened to me when I was. And, four, and just to understand I'd is
1: because a lot of people will say that they are undiagnosed for a long time with dyslexia, yes. but, yeah, but that yeah. wasn't
0: situation with you. no yeah. i was i was one of the first actually in ireland to be diagnosed there was a, um, a, a professor in from america who had rooms in lad lane in dublin and mum had heard about him through a teacher that i had in, in 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 dublin at the time finbar o'driscoll and finbar recommended i go and see this guy and get he assesses me and he did and then i was i was diagnosed with dyslexia which both my mother and myself thought was fantastic because it's kind of an exotic word there's a Y and there's an X in it. It sounds really nice and different. I went in stupid and I came out with this wonderful thing called <laughs> dyslexia. So we were very happy when we were diagnosed The
1: that. The fact that you had that early diagnosis did it significantly help
0: and um, it, it, it's, not, it, it, the, the diagnosis didn't help. The, that the, the, the training that was put in place following it was of a major significance. And the way you look at words. And I went to a summer camp for uh, three weeks every summer in, in Bray in County Dublin. And it is just the way that you, you look at things and the way you work things out. And when you're sitting there, you're going to ask me a question now. And I'm always thinking one step ahead. What's going to happen if he says this to me? Or I'll say something. I'm thinking that's going to trigger something in your brain. That's going to ask this question and be ready for it when you ask me the question. And that's the way the brain works. And I think it's very significant that element of it. Because if you look at, and I don't, I hate the word success. And because I don't think um, um, it's 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 a, it's a, a a label to put on people just because they're dyslexic or because they have some sort of a a learning condition. Um but an awful lot of people who have done very well in life, and I'm not talking about success, the people who you read about or might do television programs, whatever. Forget all of that. You can be hugely successful in life and deliver newspapers. It doesn't make a whitter difference. Once you're happy and you're getting on to your life, it's absolutely great. But you. You may have overcome mountains to be able to cycle that bike and deliver the paper, whatever the case would be. Mm-hmm. But those people with dyslexia, there seems to be a huge portion of people who have had a learning difficulty in second-level, and um, national-level schooling and um, that have pr- pr- um, um, gone on to be successful in their own lives. Um, and I think that has a lot got to do with the way their brain processes situations. Because they're always trying to deal with with a conflict, and their their brain is working overtime all the time to try and come up with ideas of what happens if this, that, or the other comes about, and that I think follows true um, to business and um, and the way they get on with the, with with life and um, and the way they deal deal with things. So I I had a, a woman who rang me the other day, um, and she says, "Just want to tell you," she says, "My son," she says, "I'm sure he's dyslexic." Well, I said, "You should be very happy if he is." because if he is, you forget the curriculum, you let the person develop themselves, you give them as much support and help as you can possibly do, and if that gets them good points and they leave and start, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Once they pursue what they really want to do, then they'll blossom.
1: We're chatting to John Brennan, his book is My Name is John, and I mean, you have known the highs and lows of life for sure, you know, you, you've had great business successes, you've had challenges You know, in, in and around the economic crash, um, and, and then coping with cancer as well, and And your attitude to those things is—it's—it's extraordinary, really. You know your philosophy around it. I I wouldn't—I wouldn't—I
0: don't view it as being extraordinary or or anything um, special by any means. It is what it is. You're dealt a hand of cards and you play them the best way you can. And if cancer comes down your um, road, that's all be it. None of us know what causes it, so we can't eliminate it. It it appears to happen to people for no reason. Um, And if that's you're one of those people, that's just the way it is. I was very lucky. I had a cancer, um, non Hodgkin's lymphoma, um, which is a a form of a a blood um, in the lymph nodes cancer, Um, and um, it has it's been treated, um, and I have been treated twice for it in the last ten years. I will again have another treatment, which is going to be much heavier than the two previous ones. But that is, that's, that's great. Like, I'm here. Every day the sun comes up is, an, is a bonus, and you think of things differently. You didn't think of that this morning when you got up and looked out the window and you said, "God, it's gorgeous!" Look, because everyone has this dream: they're all going to walk to Leary Pier when they're in their nineties with their grandchildren <laughs> yeah, pushing yeah, a pram. Yeah, all right, yeah. that's not that's not reality for a lot of people. But it, but but no one, you don't think of that on a daily basis. We all think it's going to be fabulous, and we're here for. A, a, a period of time which we think is an awful long time, but in, 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 in the course of life, it's very, very short. So you get on with it, you make the most of every day, and um, and you keep going, and that's all you can do. like I, I, I'm so blessed that I got cancer and wasn't hit by a bus and in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Mm. So um, you, you just get on with whatever comes down your track.
1: And, and clearly, I assume it's your hope that this book will touch people who may be feeling excluded by our education system? Um, Possibly not,
0: because I think the people who feel that will never read the book anyway. Um, I think the book is much more focused um, on their parents. Because I think there's a huge amount of peer pressure in this country that if Mary down the road doesn't go to third level college, she's deemed to be ah she's not great. Um, and I think I think the way society views people who don't go to college um, wrongly. Um, I think there's a fantastic future for everyone who goes there first level or second level college um, but it's up to themselves to get out and get work but they need the support that if they do have challenges in the educational system they need the port- supports to get on with it. The only supports in place at the moment is to ensure that you get better grades and I think that's, that's the bit that upsets me about it um, and I think that's the bit that the book um, which isn't the book was written, as I said to you, in five days. It wasn't meant to be an encyclopedia for learning or anything of that nature. It's a life story of which this is part of it, a huge important part of the message. But I think parents, the, the peer pressure that's there from parents is wrong on the children to, 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 to strive. And,
1: and One last question. Um, the, the technicalities of writing the book with yeah. dyslexia.
0: Yeah, I have no issue with that at all. Um, and as I say, I wrote 70, I think there's 81,000 words in the book. and I wrote 75,000 of them myself. the um, And then the publishers um, flush out a little bit that I might not have explained properly or whatever the case would be. And um, no, I, you see, where you're coming from, from dyslexia, it's different for everyone. I would not in a million years have been able to write a book when I was 20 years of age, not in a million years. But if you ask me to write a document on motorbikes, or you ask me to write a document on hotels, i do it in my sleep. Because you, you, you're you're not if you, ask, if you ask me today to go to a lecture in a third level college and sit down and absorb everything that was been thrown at me, I would be absolutely one hundred percent lost. If you asked me to go into an accountants course and show me how to do operational accounts for a hotel, I would be absolutely lost. Put me in the front desk of the hotel, I'd dissect it in ten seconds how the hotel is doing, and I wouldn't have to ever look at a spreadsheet or do anything of that nature. So it, it your your brain is is slightly different than. A lot of people, but in in sitting down and if 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 in the book it's it's written in short chapters because concentration wouldn't be wonderful. I am, and this is all subconscious to me. You don't see this until you're finished the thing. You look at it and say, "Sweet Jesus, that's why that is." But the short chapters are designed that I can write relatively easy. They're interesting, and then you finish that you put a full stop, and then you go on to next. And your brain changes again. And likewise for the for the reader, a person who is dyslexic can read this book very easy because it is in short chapters, and it's like short stories. You can go in and out of it, but there's a little message through the whole thing, which is if you're challenged in school, don't give up. And from the people in the Kildare Street, um, I think there's a message there to say, please don't ignore the people who don't excel academically and put something in place after many years of its absence. They say, fine, it's absolutely fine to finish second-level college, and here is a path for you that's not academic. Right. And I think that, I think that's
1: important for the well, country as a whole. Well, listen, thank you for a very inspiring message this morning and a fascinating conversation. Thank you very yeah, much yeah. for joining us. We and really I didn't—I got no parking ticket, so you'll be very happy. <laughs> I'm very yeah. pleased to hear that, John. Good man. <laughs> Thanks a million. Thanks. Thanks a I, good I, morning. I bye, yeah. bye. That's John Brennan. There, you'll know him from At Your Service and the Park in Ken Mayor. An atypical story of success. My name is John. Is the book available in all good bookstores, as they say? And, and the John in this case is spelled J H. O N. Your views, your news, your limerick today with Joe Nash
0: on live ninety five.